0: Would you like to live a healthier, happier, and more fulfilled life? Cultures from all over our planet have been addressing that concern for thousands of years, and their answers can help you in your life today. Join anthropologist and healer Robert Vetter as he introduces you to cultures of health and healing. Get ready now to try out some healing beliefs and practices from far and wide. Here's the host of your show, Robert Vetter.
1: Welcome back, everybody. I'm here again with Bernadette Torres, who is an amazing herbalist and a very close person to me. Uh, She lives in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and teaches herbalism in a school with her partner, and we're going to hear a lot more about that over the course of this episode. Bernadette, I'm going to ask you if you could tell us about some of the important teachers in your life, the teachings, the lessons, and even techniques, things that people can do that you learn from other people.
0: Okay. So I, first of all, I'd like to talk about um, the people who modeled uh, their connection to the earth as a child. You know, I was blessed to watch my dad and my uncles, my mom and her sisters both my parents came from really big families. My dad had eight brothers and my mom had um, 12 brothers and sisters. And so we were surrounded by families and it was, it was a very rich environment. We, they would do things like mantanzas and they would do tamale making parties and, um, and empanada making parties. So we were always in these gatherings where these people would come together. These people, my family, they'd come together. And they would, um, they would work as a team. You know, they would tell stories and they would sing songs and they would tell jokes and they would entertain each other. But they were also, you know, butchering a cow or a pig or a goat at times. And, um, and then the women would come into the kitchen and they'd, you know, be putting all of the food together and kids would be running around like crazy because there's... I think a million of us, that's what it felt like at times. Um, So I, I witnessed, I saw this really beautiful interaction with people all around us and how they could interact to create this abundance of food and really tasty, incredibly yummy food. Um, You know, like one of the things that I always remember about my father is when he butchered a cow, it would be on the kitchen table. There'd be a, a big slab of the cow on top of there and I remember we would be so excited because he would cut off the pieces of fat it was still it wasn't cooked he cut off the pieces of fat and he would salt it and he'd give each one of us a little chunk of fat and I just remember growing up and never having that experience again only as that child you know because then we you know food became cheaper to go buy it and so they quit butchering when I was you know a teenager but I remember that and that's why I had this connection, why I could never be a vegetarian is because I had this love of what we had done together in these mantanzas and the sharing, the love that they felt for the food that they were preparing and that they were going to feed us. And so I call I call my family and I call all of my Native brothers and sisters who surround us because we're surrounded by Pueblo. So I had many Pueblo friends and a lot of Native friends, and I, I got to... Have a lot of experiences in their homes, you know, where they had dirt floors, where they had um, their ovens outside, and I fell in love with them because I I would see them, like they to me it was like they never go inside a house they live outside they're you know they're always connected to earth, and so I call them my earth people and I call them the people who, my first teachers who taught me to recognize. Um, that we had a part and our part was to sing, you know, or to tell stories or, you know, like people call it prayer. And, and, and the words, the words beautiful prayer, but I love when people just sing like they don't have to like, perform it like a prayer or feel like it has to be these perfect words that are put together, they would just dance, you know, and they dance to the heartbeat to bring rain on, you know, and so um, those are some of my my first teachers as a child. And I still have a great, great love for the earth people. And then um, the, the, the person that I really want to talk about is Teresa Crozier, Dr. Teresa Crozier, who is, um, I met her in 2004 when I was going to massage school. Um, She was the herb teacher. She was our nutrition teacher. And um, when she walked in the door, I felt, I probably wasn't even looking at her. I felt her energy. And when I looked over at her, I said, I want to study with her, whatever she does. I'm, I'm going to study whatever this woman has to teach. And when she was teaching, I would just sit there with my ears. They probably came out, you know, like <laughs> they perked up and they, 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 they rotate because I wanted to hear everything she, she says. And her notes out of that school, that was in 2004. Four, her notes are the ones that I carried with me up to this date. Everybody else's, I finally just said, Man, I'm not using this, this didn't really serve me. And I've let go of all of that. But the notes and everything that I wrote during that time, um, I kept with me. And I also, after school was done, I every time she was um, offering courses or teachings, I went and took those classes and those courses with her. And one of the things that, one of the strongest things, one of the first things that she taught me and was to have this intuitive connection so mine was I was full of facts I you know I uh, you know I'm a pretty smart kid and I could pick up facts and I can I can just s- sing them out to you it was easy for me and I loved doing it it was it was a challenge and then and I loved that my brain was you know could do that kind of thing I was a smarty pants and then um when she showed us the intuitive part, though, the way that she taught us is she would give us these cards and she would put things on the bottom. And then she, before you picked it up, before you looked at those cards and their pictures she would draw and they could just be a color or a circle or something. And so then you'd put your hand over it and you would say, what I think this is, and then you would tell her what's coming up for me. And sometimes it would just be the color red or it'd be a circle and then it'd be a ball or something and it'd be a different color. It didn't matter, but it was you practicing that we do have. An intuitive part of us. And so that was the beginning of me developing my intuition, which was there because as a child, I, you know, I, I had visions, I dream, I had, I, you know, I, it was happening. I just didn't know what it was. I didn't know what to call it. She gave me the vocabulary. She started me on the path of this vocabulary. And um, I Fortunately, we've always lived, you know, several blocks from one another. So I've been able to follow her for the last 16 years. And to this day, she does um, retreats. And that's what I start doing about two years ago. They're silent retreats where I go and stay with her in her home. And then she, t- she prepares food and she, she does, you know, um, she'll do Tai Chi with you or she'll, she'll set up a schedule with you of the things that you want to do but you're in silence except for at the end of the day, she'll ask you, do you want to um, have a conversation? Do you wanna talk? And then she'll do an acupuncture treatment on you or um, if you want one, she'll do a treatment on you in the evenings. And um, so during those times, I was able to see how much I had grown, You know, my ability to go into a three day, four day retreat and sit with her and not have to constantly be talking. Like, I could just be in my own space, be at peace. When I needed to eat, I'd have something to eat. When I needed to move, there was uh, instructions on movements that I could do to help me stay in a meditative mode. And um, it helped me to, during those times, it helped me to draw myself into recognizing who I've become. You know, because a lot of times when you start out, you're you're the seeker. You're the person who is looking to attain knowledge. You're, you're trying to understand What's there? What's in front of you? And and you know, if if you want to become a healer, you're like, I'm doing all this to learn to be a healer for years and years and years, years and years and years of I'm gonna be a healer. In these silent retreats, you're able to say, I am. I am a healer. I am an herbalist. I am a teacher. I have I have acquired all of these um, tools, and it's time to during these retreats, it's time to look to see if there's any of those things, those scars, those splinters, those things that we grew up, those harms, like I was talking in part, in part one, how, you know, as a child I had been abused, you know, there um, had been violated and how they had affected me and how they had made me hold back my voice. I wasn't speaking out, I wasn't talking, um, I wasn't sharing, I didn't think I was worthy. And so during these retreats, I've been able to allow all of that to say, no, that wasn't me, to forgive myself, to recognize, I don't need to forgive those people who I think harm me because they were already damaged. And what they carried and brought to me wasn't to harm me, it was because they already were affected. They were, their minds, their spirit, their soul was diseased. And, but because I was a child, I didn't recognize that. I thought it was something I did. And so really what I've learned to do is focus in on when I'm feeling insecure to forgive myself for, you know, feeling like I'm doing something bad by speaking out. Sometimes we, we have to say things strongly, you know, and it's what I call tough love. We have to be able to say, no, you cannot do that here. Or um, if somebody keeps on coming to you and they have an issue, a problem, and you've been telling them over and over again, this is, this is how you work with this. And they can't hear it. Finally, you, you don't want them to keep on pulling on you. It's like being in a pool or in the river or in the ocean and they grab onto you and they're like, help me, help me, I'm drowning, I'm drowning. And you're saying, no, you're not drowning. Just move your arm slowly or pull your neck back so you can float. You're going to survive this. But they're not doing that. They're still in that panic mode. Sometimes tough love, is the part where we say, no, stop. You're not listening. You're talking too much, and you're not listening. You need to go home and, and 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 listen. You need to listen. This is how you. This is how I do it. If you need to adjust your body a different way for it to work for you, then adjust your body the way it tells you to. Um, so that's what I learned from Teresa Crozier. You know, it's how to um, how to work with myself. How to recognize when I'm feeling insecure and when I'm not feeling, when I'm not feeling what I have acquired, the harmony that I've acquired, because if I'm not in harmony, I can't pass that on. And so this is the blessing that I had from that relationship. Now the other person is um, Ashenika Mino, who I met in 2006, who is my partner, who is my companion, and when I met Mino. Um, I got introduced to somebody who actually was connected to nature at all times until he came here. So in 2006, he's still learning to adjust to being a human being that lives like Americans do, disconnected from nature. And um, so he's getting a little bit of lessons too. I don't know if they're positive lessons, but he's getting lessons. And, um, but what I learned from him is how um, How a lot of times when we are when we work in this world and we say that we're doing something, we do it without what a lot of religious people would say is faith. You know, like when Mino works with something, he knows, he is totally connected to the fact that he says, This is gonna this is gonna work. What we need to do is work with the tobacco. The tobacco is going to help us. It's going to speak to us, and it's going to help clear our minds. And he says it, and he believes it with every ounce of his being. And 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 in his in his culture, what they believe is that there's two parts of us. There's the physical body, and then there's the what he calls the otro yo, the other part, the uh, the spirit part of us. And that's the way I translate it. And and that those two can separate and when they are separated and that happens during trauma so when i was abused as a child my spirit my otro yo left my separated from me it went somewhere to you know to survive or to you know be in its own space where it didn't have to uh, be in this unharmonized body because there's anger and hurt and whatever else feelings come up from those and so what we learn to do is to bring that spirit back into the body and to be say this is okay to be in this body, you know, to give ourselves permission to be in it. Because when once you've been violated, you don't want to be in the body anymore. And so we have to retrain our spirit to come back into the body and then to recognize it's okay. It's okay that I have feelings. It's okay that I have these senses. And it's okay if I get angry and it's okay if I cry you know, and, and it could be for a, a while. It might not be like a quick cry and then, yay, I'm free. No, it may be that, you, you know, you cry for several days, maybe up to a month, depending on the traumas you've suffered. And those traumas don't have to be just sexual. There's traumas, uh, generational traumas where people um, who carried into this lifetime or mother or father who were abused and the way they react in life that energy, that spirit, it flows off of them like water, and we are around them, so we get, we absorb it, we absorb that energy, and so we um, react in life with it, and so that is the part that I learned to recognize when I'm accumulating that, because I work with a lot of people, and, and when they're telling me their stories, sometimes I'm going, oh my god, that's so horrible, oh my god, I can't believe somebody did this, this is horrendous, and I'm, opening myself up to receive that because I'm emotional and it can affect me physically. If I don't clear it off, if I don't smoke myself off with the tab- tobacco or um, I don't go take a cold shower because the cold shower is the other thing that helps clear me. Um, I will get physical ailments, you know, and they'll be strong. It won't be something that I can ignore. It's something that like, Oh my God, my arm's broken. You know, something's just totally dysfunctional from this. And um, so the the lesson from from working with dashanikamino you it's it's harder to describe because it's on a spirit level and and it is a part that most of us aren't given a vocabulary to communicate about and so when we start talking about it and we start uh wondering and trying to put it together it doesn't always fall into place that our linear brains have been trained to appreciate. And so this is the part of my life that I am consistently working on now. And the way that I work on it is through meditation and through my garden work. So my garden work is meditation to me, but I also sit down away from everything so that I can just be in a a place where I'm not working. You know, I'm not doing, I'm not accomplishing, I'm not making something happen. I'm just sitting in a place of peace and allowing myself to just um, go somewhere else. Let my mind shut down. And that's how I, it's like a spiritual bath to me. Meditation is a spiritual bath. It just helps you to clear all the weirdness or um, the, the linear brain tries to control. And it creates almost a war, a war against spirit, an attack. Like, no, don't trust that. No, that's not right. Oh, that's too, you know, giving it names like witchery or woo-woo or um, making it seem like it's a curse, you know, or something we shouldn't be delving with. We need to go to a priest or somebody else to get these things out of our, our head. And um, where I feel like, each one of us has a very beautiful, unique spirit that is pressed down or pressed out. And so um, meditation is our place where we are allowed to be embracing and holding and caring, and, and recognizing that, you know, it's not power over. It is a power within and a contentness and a security, it grounds us, you know, allowing us to recognize, you know, this is, this is the most valuable part of myself is my spirit, and, and when I honor it, when I recognize its beauty, I also recognize that this, it, it, it's not here permanently, you know, and and maybe the practice of, the first time we left our bodies is we shouldn't see it as a bad thing we should recognize it as the power that we had for our spirit to get out of a situation that that you know it just said okay i don't need to be here for this but now i'm going to be here for the rest because now it's time for you to walk on this planet helping others whose spirits need to come back to so that they can be part of healing our earth you know and and reconnecting with our earth and really that's what my teachers taught me is to have that connection. That's what Ashenika Mino and that's what Teresa Crozier basically have taught me. And both of them have this strong connection to nature. And, and they'll go outside and hummingbirds will, you know, fly around their heads every time I'm around them. The most beautiful creatures are, are swarming around them. And that's because they are connected, they are in harmony with their own spirit. And it's not to say that they never get out of balance, that you don't hear them, you know, step on a, you know, something and you hear a little, oh, shit, what was that? You know, they're human. So they, they still have human reactions. You know, they're still going to feel pain. Their bodies are still going to deteriorate as they age. But their spirit is so strong that they'll be able to release and go when it's time so beautiful. those are my teachers yeah,
1: beautiful yeah. um just two quick things before we yes. close yes i want to give a little cultural context so i'm going to ask you to tell us where in the world oh, mino yeah. came from
0: i will uh, do that about his
1: community real quick and then uh the contact information for you
0: okay so ashenica mino is from a region called Maranquiarí, which is in the central jungle of peru and he was, um, and and so we call him the jungle man. Even my, my kids, I tell him he is the jungle man. <laughs> and you can contact us at com.
1: Thank you so much, Bernadette. It is an absolute pleasure. And oh,
0: thank you, Bob.
1: <laughs> listeners, I hope you're going to tune in next time so we can hear one last installment from Bernadette Torres, where she's going to share a little bit more, bit more about the work that she's doing now and things that you can do in your garden today. Thank you, Bernadette.
0: Thank you. This has been Cultures of Health and Healing with Robert Feder. Thanks for listening. Please remember to subscribe and rate this show and share it with others. Until next time, remember, your health and healing matter and you can find your own unique path to optimum wellness.